0: Well, welcome everyone to the trade deadline episode of Inside the Cylinder. Uh, this is one of your co-hosts, David Fernandez, joined as always by my astute co-host, Matt Way. Matt, how are you doing? David,
1: I'm I'm doing great. Um, we're uh, we're gonna be talking some trade deadline, which is always fun. Killian Hayes is getting ready to suit up, it sounds like. And, uh, you know, the University of Michigan men's and women's basketball teams are both in the Sweet 16, so I'm great. I'm feeling great.
0: How were you feeling yesterday during, we're recording on Tuesday, this will come out Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning, but how were you doing yesterday watching that Michigan game? I watched it with my cousin who's a diehard, he went to Michigan, he's an alum and a diehard Michigan fan, and... Uh, some of those calls, man, I, I mean, I, I tried to be like the voice of reason to my cousin who who he does know basketball well. So I'm not saying that he doesn't. But I try to be like, yeah, you know, you might have got him on the elbow there. But there were some calls in that game that had me really questioning. I thought that it was a really poorly officiated game, to be honest with you.
1: It, w- it was brutal. Um, I was doing my best to um, not be too loud because it was a little late and i had a couple of people in my house who were in bed at that point um but it yeah it was it was brutal and i i was i was texting back and forth with my brother who's uh he does high school officiating um so he's always kind of an apologist um shout out to my brother um but i uh yeah i was even he was pointing out like the the thing that infuriates me and you see it a lot more in college than in the nba is just the, like the out of out of position calls that are just flat out wrong like it's one thing to get it wrong where you like basketball is hard to officiate um i i did like low level and things just move so fast but the when you're out of position and you you make a just a guess that that just that infuriates me it really does
0: I know the exact call you're talking about where he was on the complete opposite sideline and uh, there was a ref right in front of the play. And then there was just this phantom whistle where it's like you did not even you could not have seen where you think this foul might have happened. So I know exactly what play it is that you're referencing when you say that. Um, But yeah, Michigan escaped. So uh, I know there's probably a lot of Michigan fans that listen to this podcast, so Um, you all will be seeing them again in uh, this upcoming weekend on Sunday. But uh, back to the Pistons. Um, you know, I I think that before we get into some of this, and I guess what we're going to do here is go over some trade rumors that we've heard um throughout the league. Uh, you know, kind of that, that are tied to the Pistons, some that are tied To just other teams, that sounds like some players might be available. Um, Some are just speculative and some are maybe just some guys that that we want to go after. But I think the most concrete thing that we had heard this past week when it comes to the Pistons and the trade deadline is that the uh, uh, Sacramento Kings had offered... Marvin Bagley for Sadiq Bay. Now we don't have, I don't have really anything other than that. It sounded like it was a straight up offer and the Pistons declined that offer. Matt, what were your first thoughts when you heard that that trade was declined by Detroit?
1: Um, I mean, my initial thought was, I guess like good for good for Sacramento um, for trying. Um, But it like, there's just no chance that the Pistons are going to take that kind of deal. Um, you know, I, if I had to guess, I would, I I would say that the Troy Weaver probably likes Isaiah Stewart more than Marvin Bagley. Um, and he's certainly not going to give you know, his one, one young piece moving forward that, that has shown he can shoot and, you know, um, Sadiq is is showing a lot more than that these days. Um, so it's, 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 I, I imagine these trades get thrown out a lot. um, and we just don't hear, you know, we don't hear about them. But, you know, why not try? So, like, good uh, good job, good effort, Kings. Um, but that, that was never
0: going to happen. The first thing I thought about was, I it's so crazy to believe that Luka Doncic was entered this season as the, I think he was a frontrunner to be MVP this year. And uh, because of some sort of feud that Vlade Divac had, with the head coach of uh, Luca's international team, that uh, they did not pick him, and now just a couple of years later, they are looking to move the former second overall pick for the. I mean, yeah, sadiq has been great, but you know, at the end of the day, he was the 19th pick in what a lot of people considered a weak draft, which just kind of shows their cards about how badly they had missed on on that draft selection. Um, when Even if they didn't pick Luka Doncic, there were certainly other players who have certainly shown more promise than him so far that, throughout his career. And I hope Badly does finish, you know, does figure it out. But my first thought was, holy smokes, man, how not necessarily the mighty have fallen, but how the projected mighty have certainly fallen. So that was kind of, you know, and I was happy that Detroit decided to h- hold on to Sadiq just because he has shown a lot of promise so far this year.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good point. It's definitely shaping up to be, and I think many people at the time said, like it's, it's an all-time blunder, you know, it's like a Sam Bowie, um,
0: Darko, Darko, yeah, that,
1: that <laughs> yeah, Darko, that. Greg, Greg Oden, I'll give, I'll give a little credit for because of the injuries, but yeah, like it's uh, what, what a just disastrous decision. It's a franchise changing decision. It really is. Um, and you know, I hope market Marvin Bagley, you know, like you, like you said, I hope he he puts it together. But um, I'm I'm glad I wasn't the one that made that call. That's for sure.
0: Oh, definitely, yeah. That that is, uh, it's certainly up there with some of the worst uh, top of the draft trade selections of all time. At least as currently constructed. You know, he still has time. He's very young, so you don't want to completely, uh, you know, call it. But at the end of the day, it's not looking good. All right, so let's move on. So there was another rumor that was leaked from Brian Windhorst uh, of ESPN uh, a couple of days ago over the weekend. I don't know. My days are all mixed up. It's, you know, I work from home and it's COVID season. And so I I don't really track when all these things are breaking. Anyways, uh, he had said, I think this is the actual phrasing, that the Pistons were lurking around Victor Oladipo. It's kind of creepy phrasing. I'll say that. Um, But it is interesting to see that the Pistons are at least calling and making, you know, at least doing their homework on, on Victor Oladipo and what the Houston Rockets asking price may be. Uh, Oladipo this year, I think I had this, he was uh, um, averaging 21 points, five assists, five boards. He's shooting 41% from the field. Thirty three percent from three. His shooting numbers are down since joining the Rockets, um, which isn't extremely surprising because the team is garbage uh, and they are one in seventeen over their last eighteen games. But I wanted to ask you, Matt. First of all, I guess what are your thoughts about the possibility of acquiring Victor Oladipo? And did you were you able to? I, I kind of gave you some homework to uh, maybe make some trades that might make sense for both teams to get Oladipo to Detroit and whoever else to Houston. So what do you have for me, I guess, just in general?
1: So, you know, I think there's a couple important, two two important things that you have to consider when you're trading for Victor Oladipo. Um, you know, and I'll start by just saying, like, I, I really loved Victor Oladipo a couple years ago when he was healthy. Like, he was just a terrific, terrific player. If he gets back to that level, great. But you know he's he's not he's not that player right now. Um, but he's he's getting paid like like the player he was two three years ago, and so he's making twenty one million dollars. So You have to match those salaries, like like that's that's important because the the Pistons are over the cap, so they can't take on a whole lot more money than they than they give out. Um, the other thing is you know Victor Oladipo. Reportedly, recently turned down a two-year, forty-five million dollar extension. So, you're going to have to commit to paying him a lot of money because you're not going to, you know, in the Pistons' um, situation, just take him on as a rental. So, you know, the, the deals that I kind of made work, um, in getting Victor Oladipo are thing like in make just making that salaries match or something like like DeLon Wright, Mason Plumlee, and Julio Okafor, um, maybe throw in Wayne Ellington. um, And, you know, it's not like any of those guys are part of the future of the Pistons, but, you know, Wayne Ellington, DeLon Wright, Mason Plumlee are all guys that that you can, you know, maybe potentially trade as assets. So giving up that much um, and, and paying Victor Oladipo a ton of money this summer, just it just doesn't make much sense to me. I, I just I, I don't see a deal that works within the cap that will make sense for the Pistons. So that that's kind of where I'm at on this. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I, I want to get back to the, the first point you made. I had also noted that he had turned down that extension. So I I do think that Detroit could find themselves if they were to make a trade for Victor Oladipo. Um, kind of in a similar situation, not necessarily to Jeremy Grant because it's more so Victor Oladipo is proving himself to be the player that he was. Jeremy Grant, on the other hand, was proving to be this type of player for the first time ever in his career. Um, It should also be noted that Troy Weaver knows Victor Oladipo from his days back in Oklahoma city. He was instrumental in acquiring Oladipo from the uh, Orlando magic initially. So, um, you know, I, there's certainly, uh, something to be said about those two having history, just like Troy Weaver had a history with Jeremy Grant. Um, so I do think that he, he's probably going to be looking to get paid, um, a handsome figure. I think he's probably more concerned about the years. That's what it sounded like when he turned down the extension with the, uh, Rockets. Um, so that was essentially... One year, like you know, it was $22.6 million a year. Um, so I think that Detroit could re sign Victor Oladipo this offseason, somewhere in the 18 to 20 million dollar a year amount, uh, you know, over like a three year span, maybe probably more towards like the 20 million dollar. I, I think it would probably actually be similar to exactly what Jeremy Grant three years, 60 million dollars. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. That Victor Oladipo is targeting. And it's, you know, if you hit on that, it's great. It's going to be very similar to what we have with Jeremy Grant right now. If you miss on that, then, you know, that's not the best uh, case scenario, obviously. The trade that I had put out there, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, is because I do think that they are looking for some value just because some guys can ride that sort of all star title that they had for a few years. Um, So, Rockets get DeLon Wright. Sekou Domboya, Rodney Magruder, and a future second-round draft pick. Pistons are very thin with their second-round draft pick, so I'm sure they can do some maneuvering. Um, so the Rockets get DeLon Wright, who can either play for them now or they can move him immediately for another pick. They can get off of Magruder's money this offseason if they waive him by mid-July. So that's really just nothing other than making the salaries work. They get a young, former first-round pick who – you know, might blossom into something and, and who hasn't necessarily shown a ton of promise this year, but I know a lot of Pistons fans still love him, and then a future second. So that is what I put together is the only real thing I could see working for both parties. What is your thoughts on that trade, Matt?
1: Um, you know, I, I like that better than the um, the trades that I put together, frankly, just because... <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I I still don't think I would do it, but I would at least think about it, I guess. And I would think about, you know, if you're not giving up a ton, I I would think about it, but you you definitely have to do your homework in terms of what is a Oladipo going to expect this, this summer. Um, You definitely want to know something about his, his health. um, Because, you know, if, if there, if there are some red flags there, you know, Victor Oladipo turns twenty nine in in uh, May, so he, he's he doesn't exactly fit the timeline of your your true core. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant's kind of at the the upper echelon of of that range, and so and Victor Oladipo's a couple of years older. So I would uh, I, I I would I would need some some really strong assurances. I I just I I really. I really am concerned about his health moving forward, and that it, that he's not going to be the player that he once was. But if he is, and if you have confidence in that, I mean, that's that's the guy you need. Like I've said on this on this podcast the last few weeks, I think um, you know you get that lead guard who can create for himself and others in a dynamic way, and and you're kind of into something at that point. Um, I'm just skeptical that Victor Oladipo is going to be that guy moving forward.
0: Yeah, and it should be noted that, you know, just as a reminder, he had a catastrophic injury a few years ago. Like that wasn't – this isn't even like the Reggie Jackson type of situation where, you know, yeah, he had some – I think it was tendinitis in the knee and then he had the high ankle sprain. So he kind of got banged up. Um, Victor Oladipo had, you know, one of the most gnarly injuries that we've seen in like the past 10 years on a basketball court. So um, it it, it definitely – that that is important to note, And I think we've seen recently with Blake Griffin, um, you know, a formerly explosive player who really, he's not young, but he's not that old. Like it wouldn't be crazy to say, okay, Victor Oladipo's balling out when he's 32. You know, a lot of guys have been able to prolong their career and still be pretty, uh, um, I don't know, important to their teams at that, you know, over the 30 year mark. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, I, I think you're right in the sense that, You really do have to do your homework on his medicals. And at the same time, I would assume that there would be sort of like a hush-hush, yes, we're certainly going to resign you type of situation. But you never know because he's a free agent at the end of the year. So I guess it would be, you know, if you're not 100% certain you're not moving a future pick, DeLon Wright, who's useful for you now, and then, you know, Sekou, even though he hasn't shown him much this year um, just for the sake of, know hoping and praying that that oladipo resigns with you so yeah it's certainly interesting i think that the the vibe in the bad boys uh group chat has been that it's most likely not going to happen um but uh i guess it's still something that we'll have to monitor just because this was actually reported this wasn't something that you and i just sort of made up out of thin air here
1: yeah i i like the blake comparison um and I, i don't know that you made the comparison but um you know I think there is a comparison to be drawn there because you know, like like Blake, like Blake has kind of reformed his game, right? And and he's we we saw just how good he could be um a couple years ago when he's healthy. But you know, like like Blake Victor Oladipo, his the the majority of his value came from just like how athletic he was and how how easily he could get to the rim, get to the paint, and and really put pressure on defenses. And yes, like he still has skills that that he can use if he's not going to be the same athlete, but it's it's not going to be that that same value. And it's just it, it has the potential to to definitely sink the team. Um so yeah, do you have anything else on Victor Oladipo?
0: No, nothing else on Oladipo. Um, I, I, you know, I guess we'll see what happens, and if something happens during this podcast, we'll make sure to break it down. But uh, I'm good on Oladipo right now.
1: All right, well, let's move on to Jeremy Grant. We've, um, we, we saw a report that, that teams, and I, I forget who who reported it, and and maybe you can you can help me out was, there. Uh, yeah,
0: James Edwards of the Athletic reported that okay. the Celtics thing. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Uh, No, James mentioned the Celtics um, on the Celtics broadcast. I think it was Brian Scalabrini said something about that. The Celtics had offered multiple first round picks. There was another report just the other day that the teams have kind of made that same type of offer to the Pistons. Um, You know, it's all been kind of nothing's been like firmly reported. I don't think so, but, but, but that's out there at least. So, David, my my question to you is what would it take exactly for you to move Jeremy Grant if you're Troy Weaver?
0: So I was, the the thing that I've had struggles looking at, and and I think we've already known that the Boston Celtics have made some sort of push and they're already out. So I threw them out. I said, okay, they're not one of these teams. Another team that I was looking at, honestly, was the Portland Trailblazers. They seemed like a, a team that could use Uh, A a four, even though Jeremy Grant's a little bit smaller, and they've still they've always struggled. You know, kind of just having with having the small backcourt, but they do have some size. You know, assuming Nurkic is healthy, assuming Collins can get back to the court, uh, that it might be useful. But I still I couldn't make it work when I was just looking at the salaries and looking at the players. I just couldn't find trades that made sense for each team. Um, Which brings me to a team that I would. Probably, I would say that I would certainly be interested. I, I don't know that I would make this trade, um, but I don't know if this team needs him. So this is one of my my first trade that I have. So I just want to preface that, that I'm not saying that this is perfect for each team. But I had put together a trade of Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Dybul, and Danny Green. Danny Green strictly there just to make the money work. And a future round, future first round pick. Um, and I would want that out in the future. I'm talking like three, four years down the road. Um, and it should be noted that, you know, as I said, that I don't think Philly necessarily needs a guy like Jeremy Grant. It looks like they're looking for a point guard first and foremost, but that was like the type of package where you're getting two young players and a future first round pick for a ready now uh, player and for a team that's ready now to win a championship. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, I would be surprised if the Sixers would do that. It seems like they really like both Maxi and and Thibault. I like both of them too. I think that's a good. I mean, that's something that I would do, frankly. Um, I I would have to think about it a little more, obviously, but but that that's like at least in the ballpark. So, um, you know, Jeremy struggled a little lately. Um, his shooting certainly regressed. Um, but I, I think we've seen enough from Jeremy, where we can can say, um, especially when, you know, there were other threats on the floor where, where, you know, Jeremy can definitely be the the second or third best guy in your team when you're, when you're good again. Um, at that point, he's, he's going to, you know, not provide as much offense, but he's going to, you know, have more, more effort or more, more energy to, to impact the game defensively. So if, if I'm going to give up Jeremy Grant, like I want kind of the equivalent of the second or third best player on a future good team in return um and and some combination of like maxi or um maxi and, and thibault might get you there um especially if you added a, in, in a pick um I, but you know I, it, it might be it, it might just be a straight pick or or two um, you know but if we're talking about like the the type of pick matters right if it's a lotter or if it's a um a lottery team end of lottery team who's gonna give you this year's lottery pick i'd rather have that frankly than a a um contender who's gonna give you two late firsts like i'd rather have that that end of lottery pick than, than too late for right straight now. For, Which is
0: probably why they said no to the Celtics offers, right? It's because these are probably, you know, some of these immediate picks that they have. Maybe it's like a length, you know, center around Langford and then something else, a couple other of their picks. and But they're going to be, maybe this year wouldn't be the worst year, but it's the Celtics. You, you assume that they're going to be able to turn it around and those aren't going to be the best picks.
1: Right, exactly. So, you know, I I I like to come at these in kind of the, I, I think it's helpful to say, okay, what do we think this guy's value is? Um, you know, just generally like, you know, we want a, a third best player in a good team or we want a solid three and D we want a solid role player who can be sixth or seventh guy off the bench. And then when you're contemplating offers, you say, okay, well, does that get us there? And, and that's especially important for a team like Detroit who is rebuilding and and you want to have that that broader context, I think, when you're evaluating trades. Um, so, the the other thing is just I I would probably want more value than Jeremy Grant even is going to give because he's he's a guy who came here, picked Detroit over a better Denver situation. Um, and you want guys like that they're gonna that are going to build this winning culture that Troy Weaver and Dwayne Casey are, are trying to cultivate. So, I I would want. A little extra i think even for for jeremy
0: so did you have anything that came to mind as uh you know any, any players that you i don't know any trades that you saw out there or any teams that, that made sense for for both
1: um you know i i i didn't but i'll tell you the the portland um the portland thought i think from you is 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 not bad um i i kind of like i think there's a a potential deal, you know. I don't think it happens this year, but maybe down the road, like maybe this off season, if the Blazers, you know, come to the conclusion that Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, you know, th- that combination, because they kind of have the same the same skill set, they're not going to work. Like CJ McCollum as kind of the lead the lead guy in Detroit. Um, would certainly be an upgrade over over Grant offensively definitely not defensively um but if you get something more in return for that to replace some of that defense um Jeremy Grant more more than anything Jeremy Grant would fit so well on that team um I mean can you imagine him and, and Robert Covington next to each other along the way it'd be
0: pretty nasty yeah that'd be a pretty nasty duo uh, on just on defense and you know I think Jeremy Grant would be able to get uh, Covington involved, and both of them would just be get looking great next to Dame as well on the offensive side of the floor.
1: Yeah, I, I, I it makes more sense, I think, for Portland than Detroit, but uh, that's that's something that I could potentially see. Um, I, I would have to think about it a little more.
0: Yeah, I was looking at like Gary Trent Jr. I was looking at like Zach Collins, um, you know, Anthony Simons. You know, these were the guys that I was. Like the that fit sort of the timeline, it depends on what you feel about Collins. I know he hasn't been healthy for a lot of his career. Um, but the problem was that so many of their guys that that are making the the type of money that would be needed to send out of Portland to Detroit to acquire a Jeremy Grant who's making 20 million dollars a year just seemed a little bit too ingrained into like their current structure that they would be looking to move both like young promising players and guys that they're, you know, happy with um, for a singular player. Uh, you know, it just seemed like there was like too many holes to, to fill. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, I, I just, I, I think what, at the end of the day, what my feelings are is that Jeremy Grant is not going anywhere. He just seems like it, the Pistons are probably asking for a King's ransom Teams aren't going to be paying that, uh, and, and probably rightfully so. So there's no real reason for Detroit to just move along you know, and, and appease a team if we're not getting the offer that they want. So that's kind of where I'm at with the whole Jeremy Grant situation.
1: No, totally agree. I mean, he's a guy that anyone would want on their team, um, but no one is going to want to give up enough. Um, that That's going to make sense for Troy Weaver.
0: So I guess another guy that we should bring up is it looks like, uh, and I don't know where I saw this, but I know it was being t- discussed in the Detroit Bad Boys group chat, that uh, the Spencer Dinwiddie rumors are back. We had heard about this. I don't know if we talked about this on the pod earlier this season, but it does look like there is some sort of tie between the Pistons and Spencer Dinwiddie yet again, that they might be interested in his services. Uh, You know, I I don't necessarily understand it, but I didn't know. Did did you have any thoughts about any of that, Matt? I I guess what what were your thoughts? Just kind of seeing that sort of percolate again.
1: Yeah. So Shams reported that um, that Dinwiddie had received interest from the Pistons, he and Raptors, um, the, the Raptors, maybe makes sense cuz it seems like they're i mean they just lost they just broke the the Rockets I think it was 20 game losing streak um they're kind of in a rough spot and might be selling the heat I don't understand at all for for Spencer Dinwiddie so it, it almost feels to me like it's just the Nets um putting it out there to try to to raise his value to try to get a piece to um kind of shore up the the, the stretch run for them. Um, that that's what it feels like to me. I don't, I don't really see it for the Pistons. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be 28 in April. He's kind of in a similar spot as Jeremy, where he's just a little older than your core, but good enough that, that he can be definitely useful when you're good. Um, but, but at the same time, like his skill set is way more replaceable than Jeremy Grant's. And, and that's a that's a big factor. I think, um, I would, you know, I, my other problem is I just get the sense that Spencer Dinwiddie is going to want to get paid quite a bit this off season. Um, and you know, you have a a free agency class that's weaker than, than it appeared to be a year ago. So teams are going to have some extra money to spend. I could see him getting, getting paid a little extra. I wouldn't want to pay him more than like 10 to 12 million. Um, you know for for maybe 3 years um and and I just don't think that's going to get him so I wouldn't want to want to really give up much for for him I mean you could maybe give him give up Delon and and Wayne if you think you can re-resign him but um you know I, I I wouldn't the the only I frankly I'd be more interested in trying to get that Hawks 2021 20, second round pick from 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 the Nets and that sort of deal um if, if you'd maybe give up a little more.
0: Yeah, I, I think that, that that's kind of the, the road that you'd be looking at. It's like, okay, what else can you give us, Brooklyn? Um, because you're doing them a favor uh, by acquiring Spencer Dinwiddie. He, he doesn't have any trade value right now. Um, I'm just going to be straight up like, I'm just not about acquiring Dinwiddie. And I I was like a truther when he was here, uh, when they drafted him. Was I, I too. was like, I was a believer. I remember the Lakers game. I remember when he put up 17 points in like 22 minutes and I was just wanted him to play more. But, and I I do like him as an individual and I like him, you know, he's, he seems like a really cool guy, but here's the thing. He's a free agent this year. He's coming off a torn ACL that he just got surgery on like in December. So there's no reason to send out anything to acquire him and then have him as a rental that's not going to play. and then you hope that you resign him. And as you mentioned, Matt, he's probably going to be looking for some sort of a substantial payday as he should because to be honest, it could it'll probably be, you know, his last big ish payday that, that he'll get in the NBA. So I, I just don't, it just doesn't make sense unless Brooklyn is sending Detroit something else back. and then, yeah, then maybe you have a conversation that is centered around lawn Wright, Ma- Rodney Magruder, and Wayne Ellington, or something like that. Um, especially, you know, if, if the, so a couple of those guys, and and, and I, I, you can't guarantee that the Pistons are going to be able to move Wayne Ellington. I think that we were all pretty bullish that the Pistons were going to be able to trade away Marquise Morris last year, and they weren't able to. They had to, they had to, they had to, um, they had to cut him, and they had to, uh, or buy him out. They had to buy out Reggie Jackson last year. So I don't think it's like a given. But at the same time, you know, I, I just don't think Spencer Dinwiddie uh, is the guy that you go for, especially because of that upcoming free agency. And as you mentioned, he is literally a full year older than Jeremy Grant. So not only is he coming off this injury, he is actually a full year older than Grant is, even though so it, it kind of might seem like he's actually younger just because how long Grant's sort of been. Um, a name, or at least just, uh, I, I guess, just more of like a householdish name, if that makes sense. Maybe not, but anyways, that's my thoughts on Dinwiddie.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I I loved Spencer when he was here. Um, I loved watching him at Colorado. You know, before, and he had an, I think it was an ACL injury at Colorado too. So like, he's he has two significant injuries in his history. Um, which is, which is troubling. And I was, um, you know, I I remember his. I think it was his rookie year. Was his I think one start with the Pistons, and it was it was between the uh, it, it was the game before <clears throat> Reggie Jackson started his first game where they just didn't have a have a, have a point guard to start, um, and they they beat I think the Bulls that that night. Um, and I've I've been a I've been a big fan of Spencer, but it it's you know it's uh, it's time to give up on that
0: dream. I think. I agree. So a couple more things that we're going to talk about here, and this one might be a little quicker, Uh, and I actually did a little bit of intel with my guy, Richie Randall. He is the host of the, I just want to make sure I am citing everything correctly here, um, the host of the BuzzBeat podcast. They're on the Blue Wire Pods, which is the same podcast network that um, Detroit versus Everybody, Laz Jackson's podcast is on. So if you want to hear about the Charlotte Hornets, you should definitely check out uh, Buzzbeat. But uh, I did ask him just some questions just because this next topic was kind of centered around the Charlotte Hornets. Um, you know, if if anyone from the Hornets interests you, Matt, or uh, if, if there is a possible. Avenue now that LaMelo Ball has gone out for possibly the rest of the year and the Hornets are in playoff contention. Um, that maybe a DeLon Wright for Miles Bridges trade. Maybe there's something there in the works um, or, or a possibility not necessarily in the works. We're not reporting anything here. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on like the Hornet situation and what the likelihood is that there could be something there between Detroit and Charlotte.
1: Yeah, a DeLon going there would make sense for, for Charlotte, especially if they wanna, you know, um stay in the playoffs. Um I I think you're gonna have to give an asset up for for a Dewan for Bridges swap. So I don't I I, I wouldn't really want to do that just because I, I like Miles Bridges, but you know, he's a guy that who who really needs somebody to create for him. If you look at you know, his second year, which which is efficiency kind of Fell off the map. Um, you know, his his two point assist percentage was way up that or way down that year. When he so he when he had to create for himself, he he really struggled. Um, the guy would be more interested in because I don't think you'd have to give up anything extra. Would be Malik Monk, um, and I don't know where they stand on him, but you know, he's shooting forty one percent this year from from three. He's been an eighty four percent free throw shooter for his career. So, you know, he's, I think he's going to be a very good shooter long-term and this year he's, he's really showing that he can do some stuff off the dribble. So, you know, if, if you could get Malik Monk on a team who really needs some young shooters, um, that, that would be probably the, the guy I would be most interested in just because I, I think he would come off or he would, he would, he would come a lot cheaper.
0: Well, this might make you happy. So I did ask him, you know, uh, if uh, Richie, that is, uh, if he, you know, what he thought of if the Hornets needed any like additional ball handling with uh, with or with uh, ball being out. Um, And he had said that, uh, you know, he thinks that the team has enough playmaking um, and that the offense is more predicated on ball movement, that a guard would be nice, but he doesn't think it's necessarily Necessary. Um, it, it sounds like they're a little bit more focused in Hornets land about acquiring a center. They, they had mentioned Miles Turner, um, but that that it would take like a first round pick. So he's just kind of in the boat that the Hornets should stand pat and not make any moves, um, just because they don't want to necessarily like move on. You know, just move picks and try to win now when when being patient might be better for this group. Uh, but he did say that. If you want to call someone expendable, you're not saying that he's expendable. He's put that in quotes, mind you. It would be Malik Monk. Uh, And I am the original founder of the Malik Monk fan club. Uh, I was, and Laz Jackson can be a testament to this. I was dying for Malik Monk to somehow fall to Detroit in that draft when he plummeted down uh, when they ended up picking Luke uh, Kennard uh, over. uh, Yeah, we know who, but... um, yeah, no, I I also really like Malik Monk, and I did do a trade that was Delon Wright, Mason Plumlee for Cody Zeller and Miles Bridges, uh, but I just don't think that's enough for the Hornets. Obviously, to make that call, Miles Bridges is much younger and probably has the most upside of any of those guys, and Cody Zeller is an expiring, so they're you know I, I don't think that necessarily helps them just to get rid of him when he's an expiring, anyways.
1: Yeah, I, I like it. I would do it. I, I was a big fan of Monk coming out of the draft, too. Like, my two targets for the Pistons were the guys that went before and after Luke Kennard. So, um, we'll, we'll just... I, I won't I won't <laughs> expand any further, David.
0: Yeah, I don't think you need to. Uh, apparently, Luke Kennard had a good game, though, a couple nights ago. So, I guess shout out Luke. Uh, but uh, I'm happy that we got Sadiq. Uh, so... The last topic, I, you can, I guess, you can call this a topic. You might have already shown your cards a little bit here, Matt. But let, this is hypothetical. I don't have any trades written up for this. But who are some guys that you would like to see Detroit go after? Is there anyone that's like just waiting to be picked up that you know is going to fit this next young core uh, that is being undervalued with his team? Um, it sounds like Malik Monk is one of those guys. But is there anyone else that you want to mention?
1: Yeah. Malik Monk would definitely be, you know, I think a potential target. Um, I, I have two, two other names. So um, one is with the Celtics who you could see, you know, a trade potentially going down with cause they're, you know, they, they need something different for sure. Um, and the guy I really liked coming out of the draft that they picked up um, last year's draft or two years, I guess, whatever, whatever, whatever it is at this point. But um, is Grant Williams? Um, you know, he's like a kind of a four-five hybrid, like small ball five. Just one of those guys. He plays great defense. Just does a lot of good things. He's kind of fallen out of favor a little bit. Like he he really comes and goes in the in the rotation. Um, and so I I don't know that they're necessarily committed to him. And you know maybe they would be happy to take, you know, some more ball handling, some more shooting, whatever it may be that the Pistons could, could give them in a, you know, in the form of Delon Wright or Wayne Ellington. Um, I I have no idea if that's at all realistic and and how they feel about him, but like that, that would be a guy that I, I would like to have just because I, he, he's just a really good basketball player. Um, does all the right things, makes good decisions. He just seems like a, a prototypical Troy Weaver, Dwayne Casey guy to me.
0: I will say, having watched a lot of Celtics game this year, a couple things that they desperately need is another guy to be able to set up their shooters that that they, they don't really have a lot of shooters anyways. But they do need someone to be able to create other than just Jalen Brown, um, Jason Tatum, and then whenever – uh, Kemba Walker happens to have it going, and they also do need guys once those guys do have it going to be able to reliably hit shots. So, I think Wayne Ellington and Lon Wright actually would be both be really useful in Boston. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a, a good, uh, good person to target, and he does fit the timeline. And you know, I remember watching him at Tennessee in the tournament a couple of years ago, and he was really, really impressive. So, um, definitely seems like uh, the type of player that sort of fits the mold of where Detroit's at and also just kind of fits the mold as a Detroit piston too. Um, all right. Well, I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Matt.
1: Oh, so I just had one more super under the radar guy. And and that's really what I'm looking for. Cause frankly, I mean, I've made it pretty clear. Like I'm pretty happy with the direction they're going, but you do need t- to find another, another shooter too, probably. And the guy I really liked coming out of this year, this past draft, um, on a team that that could definitely, I could see wanting another shooter like Wayne Ellington for for this year's run is Philadelphia and Isaiah Joe. Um, you know he's he was playing a lot a lot more earlier in the year. He's kind of fallen out of the rotation. He both in college and this year has has shot well from three on like super high volume. Um, he can do a little more off the dribble too. Uh he needs to get a whole lot stronger. He's 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 super thin. Um, but but that's another guy. Like if you're not gonna give up much at all, like like a Wayne Owenton, that's a guy I'd love to take to, to take a shot on.
0: No, that's a a good pick. I don't know a ton about him, but uh I'll certainly trust you and your uh just your scouting on, on him. Um all right, so I guess I'm gonna go now and just share one of the guys, because you had one of them already, Malik Monk was at the top of my list uh, for guys that I would like to target. I think it's pretty clear that you know Josh Jackson isn't going to be the shooter of the future that Detroit needs. He, he doesn't mean that he's not useful. He does a lot of other things, but I, this team definitely does need some more young shooters. Um, a guy that I am have always sort of kept my eyes on just because it's never really seemed to have clicked with the team that he was drafted by. Is Laurie Markkinen? Um, he had a good game against the Pistons a couple nights ago. He had sixteen and eight. Uh, he's just never really gotten it going in Chicago. I think some people think that he might be soft. Uh, that he, you know, he, he does have all the skill. He does have all the tools. I don't know if it's is a change of location might be helpful for him. But uh, he is a going to be a restricted free agent this year. So they were not able to. Um, you know, get an extension set uh, prior to him hitting this restricted free agency. So I think that that is a guy that, you know, maybe Chicago is already saying, hey, you know, we're going to be parting ways or, or we have a certain number that we're not looking to go over should a team sign him to an offer sheet. So they might already know that he's not going to be a part of their future. So I certainly wouldn't mind shaking the bushes uh, with the Bulls and seeing what it might take to land him, just because I, I think that there's a lot of promise there, and I am hopeful. It's kind of a high-risk, high-reward type of situation, but uh, I, I'm hopeful that he is able to put it together because I've seen him in particular games just look so damn good. It's just not – it hasn't been consistent enough, but that's the type of guy that I think if you're a Detroit, that th- those are the types of guys that it, it's not the worst-case scenario to take a flyer on, even if you are paying them.
1: Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind that. I, w- you know, it depends on what you give up certainly. Um, but you know, he kind of reminds me of like Dario Saric who, you know, has really kind of found a role off the bench in Phoenix. Um, yeah. Like I, I mean, he's, he's kind of in that same mold and, and I could, I could definitely see something like that, but, but that's kind of where I, at least on this Pistons team, like I would see Markkinen as like that, that sixth man. Um, you know, playing the four or five off the bench. Um, so I wouldn't want to give a whole lot up for him, but I'd be, I'd be totally down for that. Like there's, there's definitely plenty of plenty of skill there.
0: Yeah. I just wonder, I, I just don't know what, honestly, I haven't watched enough of the bulls to really know what it is that they need. And I think it's pretty clear that both you and I, there's a very good reason why the names Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, and even Killian Hayes haven't come out of our mouths when we're talking about these potential trades. I think we're not looking to move those guys right now. So, um, yeah, no, uh, I, you know, Matt, I I don't really have much more. Do you have anything else for this app?
1: No. Um, other than, you know, Chicago still really needs a point guard because Kobe White's not very good. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe they're in love with Dennis (laughs) with (laughs) junior.
0: Maybe they are, uh, you know, they can, uh, trade us, uh, one future first round pick from the 2017 draft, a uh, lotto pick for another. Uh, but uh, we're, we're, we might be de- doing, if we got Laurie marketing, we'd be hoarding those guys. Um, but <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, I guess that's it then. So for uh, Matt, I am David. This is Inside the Cylinder. You can catch all of our new episodes on uh, Spotify under the Detroit Bad Boys podcast app or podcast stream uh detroitbadboys.com and really anywhere else you find uh your podcast and then also on Twitter at inside the c-y-l-n-d-r and we will catch y'all next week peace